So another thing I remember from that time, though, uh, is that when you did the show at Space Gallery? Yeah. Remember, it was like the hair salon yep. had like a gallery space upstairs. Yeah. And you did a bunch I, of like collage stuff, and you yep. used those uh, those those uh, metal letters from yeah. the the was that from the California case? Yep. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, those were dope, and the photographs. Thanks. Very very beautifully printed black and white photographs. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it were pictures of our friends with like. Like fucking razor wire or some shit. Did yep. you do something? Yeah. I'm, I got I got <laughs> our crazy. friend I got our friend Scott. Yeah. Right. Right. Because he was he was always shaved bald and yeah. he had like a super interesting face, and yeah. so I got him to like sit for me and do all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like uh-huh. I got him to put all this like weird stuff on his head. I wrapped his head in money. That. Do you yeah, remember the yeah, picture yeah. of him wrapped in money? Yeah. That's what I'm. Re- that's the piece that I'm remembering in yeah. particular. You know, because I was doing a piece about how I was. I, you know, I was young and angry, <laughs> and I, I was doing a piece about about how um, how we worship money. Yeah. As yeah, a yeah. as a culture, sure. how we worship money. Sure. And so I made him. I made him a godhead. Yeah. yeah. But but his head was wrapped in money yeah. and we had to like, he was, he was shaved bald and then we made the, we made the money wet right. and then we wrapped it all yeah. around his head. And I, I took remember. all these, I think I'm sure I still have some of those pictures yeah. somewhere. Yeah. 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 No, that's just cool. I just bring that up. Cause it's like, you, you do have a history of doing some fine art. Oh yeah. I mean, you, I, I, I always try and always go back to it. Stuff. Like even now you still bust out once in a while. I try to. Yeah, no, that's that's Keeps dope because I feel like there's so many people who are like so, just like uh, you know, computer people that just don't get their hands dirty ever. And you've you've never been that guy. You've always got your hands dirty here and there. You know. I've always wanted to. Yeah. And it always it always it, I think of it like it keeps me honest. You know, sure. it keeps it keeps the work connected to something that's more kind of real, right? Than just being in the digital world. And when I got into like having an agency or uh, any of the teaching positions that I've ever had. Like I always tell the people who, who work with me, you know, start in your sketchbook, ah, that's start, cool. start with your hand Old in a school. sketchbook. Like yeah, that's yeah. the only way to start. Sure. Cause if you start in the computer, then something's just lost. No matter how good you are. I, I agree. When we were uh, looking at uh, hiring animators, when I worked in animation, mm-hmm. you know, there was so many kids that just couldn't draw at all. Yeah. And we're like, listen, when you're sitting with a client, like they need to see a sketch right away. They, you're, like right in front of them, like yeah. magic. They can't sit on the computer and take two hours and then call them back into the room. No. Like, just doesn't work. And even, I mean, to this day, like I, I have to be careful because I'm a shitty drawer. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't draw well, sure. but I can sketch the hell out of things. You That's know, like thing. I can, you, I can, you can I can communicate ideas through illustration. I think really, really well. I can make a layout on a piece of paper yeah. and you'll get how that might look once it gets in the computer. Yes. Yes. And it, it, that's just, that's just something you have to develop. I mean, yeah. and the freedom that you get from making, you know, 10 thumbnails in your sketchbook versus doing that on the computer is, I mean, Oh yeah, it's unparalleled. I'm, I'm still the same way. Like if somebody asked me to design logos, I'll knock out 50 on a piece of paper in an hour. Right. You know, and on the computer, that would have taken me forever. So let me, uh, let's go back again. Like how did you end up then in Oakland? Because I feel like, you were in the city and then I remember you moved to the East Bay and then did you have your own agency so, for a while there? Yeah. So and a daughter, <laughs> right? Like wasn't yeah. that all right around that same time? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. So I was in San Francisco. Um, I got the job at the agency. I was the agency moved. That's what it was. I had the job at the agency with this guy, Robert Goldberg. Yep. I had um, kind of an old school apprenticeship with him. Yep. He he took me in as like a very junior graphic designer. And then he kind of taught me everything. I mean, I worked for him for like two and a half years. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and during the time that I was working for him, he and his wife, Pepper Moore, 
Yeah, awesome, pepper. awesome graphic designer. Yeah. Um, she, they, they lived on Alameda. Um, right. Alameda. Yeah, in uh, in, 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 off of Oakland. Like, it, it, oh, no, Alameda is like this uh, little island. island Alameda, yeah. not like Alameda Street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Alameda is like this little, like, island right across from Oakland. It used to be like a naval base. <coughs> yeah. So. Houses over there. So Bob and Pepper lived over there. And they just, they, their, their office was on Maiden Lane in San Francisco. And yeah. this was at a time where like Maiden Lane was like Madison Avenue in, San, in, in New York. I was just going to say, isn't that the highest rent in the whole city? Yeah. Crazy high rent. Yeah. But that's where all the agencies were. And they were, I mean, the we were agencies. Exactly. <laughs> we, we were yeah. like a super small agency, but you, you know, he, he wanted to have like a shop on yeah. in that, in the spot. He was a very old school ad guy. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, the, but they couldn't pay the rent. Like at the, at the end of the day, like the rent was just too expensive. It got yeah, to be man. like too crazy. Yeah. And they were like, this is nuts. Like, this is stupid. We should, we should move Thank to God Oakland. Yeah, totally. Oh, so they moved to Oakland yeah. and we got an office downtown Oakland and it was awesome. I mean, yeah. the office was so much cooler. Yeah. It was Oakland. At a time when, when I mean, living in Oakland at that time was just so exciting. Yeah. So yeah. we got the office there, and the lady that I was with and I just decided, like, well, let's get out of San Francisco. Like, it's it's time to... What year you know, was that that you guys were like, let's get out of the city? <laughs> I'm so bad with years. Like, I should yeah. have gone back and looked some of this stuff up. Because I, uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Because I remember visiting you... You know, at your house and had to be going to like bug it for lunch at yeah. the agency. Yeah, yeah. Had, it know. had to have been like ninety nine, two thousand. So how like, did that? How did that happen though? That you ended up. Were, was that your agency at some point? No. Did you have, or was that? So, so this is what happened. That agency moved to Oakland. Okay. At the time that they moved, I had already kind of, I learned a bunch of stuff and I was kind of coming up and we had another designer. And so I was the senior designer. Yeah. Then another maybe year or so that I, that I worked there. And at that point I was doing some freelance work because we were a little bit slow at the agency. And so I had some freelance clients and then I had this, we just had this moment where it was like, I think I have enough work to not, not work for somebody else. Yeah, I can just okay. do my own I thing. That's what I remember. And so we made a calculated decision that we, I would leave. And at yeah. the time, she was actually working there. I remember. So yeah. we made a decision that I would leave. Yeah. <clears throat> I left. And we thought, okay, well, I'll leave and we'll, we'll try and do that. She'll keep working there for a year. We'll yeah. just give it a year. Yeah. Within three months, I had booked a couple other clients I hired another designer to work with me at my house. I remember. And then she was like, well, this is stupid. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna quit this. She was an actor. And so she was mostly working <clears throat> just to, like, make some money yeah. so that she could then do, yeah. you know, do the theater at night. Yeah. yeah. So she left the job at Goldberg & Associates. Right. Then it was me and her and this other dude at my house. Yeah. And then we hired a writer who is also like kind of our assistant. You remember Rebecca? Yes. Rebecca Goldberg. Yes. Rebecca Goodberg. Goodberg. Yeah, Goldberg was the the yeah, boss. Gold yeah, yeah. Goldberg. Yeah. No, I, so just, I just remember that being she, a big deal to me that you had you were She like, was the fourth employee no. and wow. then at that point we were like, okay, we can't be in this little house. <laughs> right. Cuz we had that we had that little house in Oakland. I remember the house. I remember you guys working in there too. And then when we went from 4 to moving into a new space, that was when we landed 24 Hour Fitness. Uh, and so, right. when 24 Hour Fitness happened, that like the as a client, as a client, yes. the the creative director there said to me, like, I've got more work for you, and I'm not giving it to you because you don't have enough people. Yeah. Like, you can't do as much work as I need you to do. But if you hire some more people, I, I have more work for Which you. Which I think is what something people need to hear that that yeah. happens. Yeah. Totally. That's how an agency starts sometimes as a client's like, yo, that was a hundred percent this much work for you. And you're like, fucking, I can't do that by myself. Yeah. Holy shit. So that was the point where I hired. Um, so my friends, 
my friend um, <clears throat> had a little brother who lived in Philly, and he was going to he he was going to graduate from school the following year, okay. and she asked me if he could come and intern with my agency in the summer before his his senior year of college. Yeah. And he came to the Bay and interned for me that summer and just had, we had like a fantastic time together. I, hopefully I helped him. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he was, he was a very new graphic designer and I put him to work. I mean, we, yeah. we had him on client projects and just let him try stuff and did critiques and we had a really good time together. And then, um, right around when Tim, the guy, the creative director at 24 hour fitness said that to me, uh, Andy had just graduated from school. Okay. And so I called him up and was like, do you want to move to the Bay area and come back to work for me? Yeah. And he, and he, you know, he like, when I think about it now, like that was a pretty risky <laughs> proposition for him, but he totally went for it and he was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to try it. Yeah. And so he moved out to the Bay Area, and he, he we hired him yeah. along with a couple other people. Yeah. Um, we had some fantastic talent at that time. I feel like you guys were doing some – you had some great clients, too. Yeah. Didn't you do a thing for the city of San Francisco? Yeah. There were, like, banners on Market Street or something, I remember. Yeah, we did a, a project for the San Francisco Arts Commission. Ah, that, right. that was That was, that was yeah. my client. Yeah. And – that was cool because it was high visibility work, right? Like right. we, we got to do work that promoted these different arts programs in the city and they were on banners that ran up and down market street. Yeah. I got to do one of those, um, the, uh, public toilet kiosks. I remember. You remember those? Yeah. That yeah. There, there were these huge public toilet kiosks that yeah. ran up and down market street and they were cool because one whole side of them was like a giant pillar banner. Um, right. And they were way, I mean, the street pole banners were cool because they were like, wow, I did a street pole banner and They're like it's up on up. Market Street. But they were, you know, three feet wide by maybe four and a half feet tall. And yeah. and the and the public toilet thing was literally Massive. like 15 feet high and it was like six yeah. feet wide. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like this king size thing. Yeah. Now, but I need to go back. Because okay. when we lived together, yeah. that was the time where I also got so turned on to graffiti because, oh, well, because sure. of because of you and oh, your you influence and all your friends. Yeah. Like I was into graffiti yeah. like before that. I was into hip hop and oh, like dude, you just were straight hanging out at our like crew meetings and shit. Exactly. Yeah. And so <laughs> that that was a huge influence on me. And so uh, there was art of lettering, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, not just lettering, just like the whole well, mentality the and the culture of getting up. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was a big influence on it. Cause when I got to the point in my sort of quote unquote professional design career where I got to do posters and things that appeared like wild postings or that were up on, you know, walls, it had this, this meaning to me that was much different than anything else. Like I was like, oh, this is yeah. how I'm getting up. Yeah. You know, because I sucked as a graffiti writer. Like, I, well, I was hanging out with I you and a, all these other, like, sick graffiti writers. And I was yeah. trying to, like, tag. And I was, like, basically just this little toy. <laughs> That's what carried over but, for me into commercial work. Yeah. Each T-shirt, each sticker was me getting up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's still it's that way for me. Like, kind of for you that came from. It's still totally that way for yeah, me. I have clients who want to make stickers and shit, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, let's make stickers. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm because I'm like, yeah, we're gonna get up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. I have a funny story about that actually. Like, I did a logo for a company here called Wild Goose Canning. Okay. They, I know it. You know it. A warehouse is just up the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they make machinery by which breweries can can their beer. Oh, I didn't know that's what they made. Yeah, that's what okay, they do. Cool. You, it's easy to think that like they can beer, but they don't. They uh, they actually make the machines that a brewery beer. could buy yeah. so that they could can their own beer. Okay. Kind of a random thing. Well, I designed this logo for them. Super happy with it. We're walking to uh, the to the airport. We parked in the long-term parking and we're walking along on the airport 
and there's a fucking wild goose canning sticker on like a on like the thing that stops you from driving through the parking oh, yeah. lot. Sure, sure. <laughs> like n- why would someone have stuck that there? Like, I have no idea. I think that they stuck it there so I could find it. Sure. Cuz right? I had such a like tagger thrill from walking up on that thing and being like, "Oh, holy shit. That's wild. my that's my logo." <laughs> Like, I did that shit. Yeah, that shit's addictive. It was so funny. It's addictive. And it just took me right back to, like, it's no different than going and, right, like, I, I still yeah. have a mop. I still have a mop. That's the thing. We would call stickers slap tags. Yep. <laughs> you slap That's right. I remember Nobody going. You just palm the sticker. No yeah. one knew what you were doing. Do you remember going? We used to go to the post office and rack, like, hell of stickers so stickers. that we... <laughs> Yeah. And then yeah, we'd yeah. go and hang out and just tag stickers for like well, a whole night. Did, it was yeah. Like 12 of us deep with 40s and blunts. And so, no, so fun. Those those were really, really fun times. Yeah. Is that when I started tattooing you? It, it was when right around there. I started tattooing there. in 98. Did you already have tattoos when I started tattooing you? I, I, I had feel like you had a few things. I had a couple. You I had to like incorporate some shit. You had some bands. No, I had a. Red circles or something? Yep. Yeah, I had dude. I had a uh, <laughs> I, I had a dragon on my arm. Yeah, dude, the dragon that you oh, covered fuck. up. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that he you covered that. up. I remember the dragon though. Damn, that was a classic. Wasn't it like a medieval dragon? It's kind of scratched in there. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, it was a terrible dragon that literally was drawn to mimic what I looked like. Oh damn! In a mosh pit. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Like the way that the dragon's hand and feet oh, right. were I guess I remember that was based too. on a picture that somebody had of me in a mosh pit. Oh, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> How old were you when you got there? Uh, 18, yeah. I think. At a shop? No. It was just in some house. In some fucking Hardcore jacked up dude's place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like nice. janky house. Well, that's how it happened in Albuquerque. That's why it looked so bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it was such a bad tattoo. Right. And then well, yeah, I had this I had this janky band that that I had gotten at a at a shop in uh, Connecticut, uh, and those were really the only things that I had. Yeah. And then you started tattooing well, me, and then all of a sudden I had a whole lot more. Something else too. I remember. I I guess it was around then. I mean, because I was drinking a shitload, and I would I would hang out with different groups of friends like different nights, and end up drinking a whole bunch. And I can remember hanging out with you once in a while. But there was a time when we definitely, I would meet you at a bar. Oh, yeah. And we would just drink. Yep. And drink. And I thought, oh, I'm getting, like, we're drinking a bunch because this is, like, special. And I don't <laughs> get to see Ben very often. And, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have five or six. Like, fuck it. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's do this. And I had no idea that you were doing that every night. Yeah. Right? Because I feel like then at, at some point you started being like, yo, I got to chill on this shit. And you did the 12 step. Yep. And I remember you came to me and you like, we're going through that amends thing. Yep. And that's when I was like, oh shit, you were like <laughs> really drinking dog. Yeah. And, I, and now I realize a lot of my friends were that way at that time. And I thought I was just like the, I was just drinking, have fun and whatever. And it just, you know, whatever. But I remember you went through all that. Yep. I, I, are you still sober now? I am. Like, ever since then? 18 years. Wow. That yeah, was a long time. I remember that was a big deal for you. You were just like, yo, it was. It's like fucking me up, man. I got to, I got to, yeah. Well, I had a very influential friend who had gotten sober um, a year or two before me. Uh, and what he said to me before I got sober, like before yeah. I actually got sober, he said to me, um, I was talking to him about drinking and he just said to me, you know, it was, it was whipping me. Yeah. I was losing to it. it. Yeah. And that, that a lot of my friends were, it was eating them up. Yeah. And that got to me. Yeah. And you know, I was just, I was at the bottom. It was time. Yeah. I got sober, um, in the year 2000, in Oakland. And oh, so that was 2000. Okay. And yeah, I was yeah. going to AA. Yep. Meetings where, um, you know, I had a, I had like a candy ass experience of getting sober to, to be, to be totally frank about it. Like, well, you can say I, that I think because you have 
you, you know I can say that we because have friends that had a really yeah, fucking hard exactly. time with that shit. I can say that because I went to meetings every day with guys who were there because if they weren't there they'd be in jail. Yeah. They got what we called the nudge from the judge. Sure. And if they weren't in that room, then they were going to be in prison. Yeah. And I didn't have that happen. No. Now, the thing was, I spent probably a year of my my first year of sobriety telling myself that that made me different than them. Uh, and then yeah. I've spent the rest of my sobriety in the reality that I'm no different from anybody. Yeah. And that's just the truth. I mean, yeah. that's the truth of being an alcoholic. Like sure. I, I have a disease that makes it so if I drink, that's all I want to do. Yeah. And you, you spent a lot of time with me in bars where that's, that's all I wanted to do. I didn't realize that. No. Though. That's sure. the thing. I was, we were having fun. Yeah, no, we were we definitely had, having fun. Wow, that's conversation. <laughs> yeah. Taking breaks to get burritos. And, yeah. Yeah. No, it's just one of those things. I think there's a lot of young people out there that are probably at that age and having trouble and maybe drinking too much and are just like, what Could the be. fuck? And, Could you be. Know, and you can get over it. You like, can get you over it. Gotta, gotta step up. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I learned that I had to take it into my own hands. Yeah. I had to decide that I wasn't going to make excuses about this anymore. Um, and then I asked for the help that I needed because the truth was I needed help. Like I couldn't, I couldn't just do this by myself. Yeah. So what I was doing at the end was I was spending a lot of time managing how much I was going to drink mm. and it never worked. But like yeah. I would always be like planning out like how much I could drink or how much I should drink or how much like mind, right? oh yeah totally any sort of excuse I'd, all my energy was spent on like and then I just realized like this is a giant waste of my time and the most yeah. humiliating thing was <laughs> the was. night the night before I got sober I got so I got shitty drunk like Ugh. shitty drunk. With a guy, with that dude, the guy that the guy, the first guy that I hired mm, to work okay. in my agency, yeah. and his wife, um, they had had like some kind of a party, and I got like just embarrassingly drunk, and I slept on their couch. I think I horked in their bathroom. Like nice. it was just classic. like classic, yeah, yeah. classic. Yeah. I had gotten so I I gotten sober for like three months before that, uh, and then I decided like I did the thing that I was saying yeah. like I was like, well I didn't lose my house, I didn't lose my kids like right. I didn't you know right. I didn't do all these things that right. these other people did so right. I I must not be like an alcoholic I think I just had like a rough patch or <laughs> whatever the hell. Which so then I really could have been I mean maybe. That's the thing. I think that's the thing with like when you definitively are like, no, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. You're just like, no, this is a condition. Yeah. This is something, I, you know, I can't just, yeah, yeah, you can't fuck around. So I, so I told myself that I wasn't, and I went back out and I was still drinking. And then I had this, that, that night and I just knew yeah. like that was the night where I was just like, oh my God, yeah. like I could lose everything. And not not out of like not wanting to lose everything, just realizing like how serious this was. It yeah. you know what it was? It made me realize that was the moment that I realized that I was no different than any of those other guys. Yeah, yeah. Just because I hadn't gotten arrested yeah, and had a judge tell me that I can either go to Sally or I can come, yeah. you know, or I can go to jail. Sure, like that didn't matter. Yeah, I was because I was in exactly the same circumstances as that, yeah. and then my whole life turned around. Well, how, how then did you end up in fucking Boulder? I mean, when did that happen? Yeah, how so... How long were you in Oakland? Probably eight... Yeah, that was eight years. Okay. Yeah. okay. It was 2008. So it, was, it was 08 when you got here to Boulder? 2009. Okay. 2009 was when I moved to Boulder. So the those eight years were... Had the, had the agency... Uh, things were going great, right? Like yeah. I had the, the whole story that we just oh, yeah. were talking about. Yeah. Lots of clients, lots of work, had a couple years of being a million dollar shop. Like that was super, like felt super great. Yeah. Right. And then, it, and, and then it all went away. Yeah. Um, the economy went cuckoo. Uh, yeah, I just like it, it literally just all went away. That's the nature and, of um, 
let go of a whole bunch of employees, which really sucked. Like I really, I really hated that. Yeah. Um, those people were all my friends and I, I like cared about all of them and I took it super serious. You, you probably remember this. Like no, I, I was tripping because no, I was I like, we talked about it. motherfuckers have food on the table because we pay them a paycheck. Like I can't, this can't, this can't stop. Like, that's but, a big reason but, I've never wanted to start a business and hire people, bro. Yeah. That's that's I remember Joshy having to fire people once mm-hmm. in a while in the Rebel That's years, just man. the worst Fuck. thing. I, he would just be so broken up over it. So, but I learned how to do it. Yeah. And I learned how to have a really difficult but frank and heartfelt conversation with somebody that that was honest and in integrity, which was really great. I, I kind of owe that to, you remember my friend Ben? Ben Schick. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. So Ben, I mean, I met Ben and Ben really helped me learn how to like be a man of integrity and be, yeah. be a person who is in business and have integrity. Yeah. And so, uh, I let these people go. I then got, um, I, I had a, another great inflection moment where I, I sent an email out to a bunch of people who also own studios, um, and I was like, hey, you know, so easy for us to forget that we're actually, you know, also artists and designers and practitioners. And, you know, at the moment, I don't have any work booked. And if anybody has any extra work or they've got a project that's too small for their shop, you know, please, con- please consider me. Yeah. And I got three job offers hmm. and I did not intend to get job offers like i had bought into this um, you were just looking for little projects i was looking little for little case. projects like, yeah were like, nah, we want you well well and it wasn't like that like yeah. it didn't feel like it was just case i wanted case to be rated. wanted yeah it felt like i needed some money <laughs> like i needed to earn some money oh no i'm like and that all the time, did people bro. have any yeah i know yeah you gotta make so, money man so and then i got these job offers and what happened was like I was really bought into this. Like I had made it right. Like well, I had. had, I had a shop. You had. I had like yes. this little house. As like I had an agency. Goes, like I had made it. You had achieved yeah. success right. within that world. Yes. Yeah. But I hadn't made it. <laughs> and that, and, th- and that kind right? of, and that kind of and success, like of that kind of stuff yeah. was just exactly what it was. Like it was just nothing. Like at the end of the day, it was nothing. All that had to happen was 24 hour fitness had to go, Oh, I met a guy from, you know, a global advertising agency. We're going to give all our work to them, Bingo. which was no, like no fault of theirs. Like I don't, I, I never held no. it against anybody there. It business. was just like business. And that was just what it was. But that decision meant that I had to grow up yes. <laughs> and let, and let go of a bunch of people and figure my shit out. So I got these job offers and I thought like, wow, did I fail? Mm. Is this like, did I have like the dream come true and then actually it was failure Mm. or is this just the next thing? Is just, is this just the next step? How did you see it? I think that's a thing that can send people into a psychological nosedive. Meditation. That's what helped you out. That was the thing that, that, that made it possible for me to readjust my perspective and realize that this was just the next step in what could be a really interesting career, a really interesting yes. life. Like, okay. rather than look at it like, oh, I just failed. I'm fucked. And I, I, now, remember, yeah. like, at you this time, I'm saying. like, I don't know, six years sober. Yeah. And I had every reason to just go into a fucking nosedive. And I think probably AA, like AA was probably pretty helpful in that because I had a lot, like I had the, uh, I had the mechanics inside me to go like, Oh, well fucking (laughs) like my business just failed. Like I should just like start drinking again. But I had all this support to not do that, to not like act out like that. And so it just sort of forced me to actually go and look inside and right. see like what the hell is going on with me yeah. and figure out like, how do I really feel about this? Yeah. And fortunately, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like I look back at that now and it's like, well, 
duh. Like, you didn't fail. This is what happens. Like, this <laughs> that's just what's next. Oh, no. But at the time, that shit was real. Like, it was very, very real for me. Like, I was like, holy crap. Like, I fail as a man. Like, I, I had had a daughter at this point. Like, yeah. Fiona had been born. Yeah. I had a little girl. I was like, I thought I had failed. I thought I had failed everybody. Like, I thought sure. I had failed myself. Well, had I'd failed my shoulders, daughter. Bro, like, like, I felt like like this was failure. And then I realized that that's, I mean, there was just no point in that. Like no. that perspective didn't serve me. And holy shit, did I luck out because I met Jeff and Maya. Right. Remember those guys? Yes. I met Jeff and Maya. They offered me an incredible job at the M line. Yeah. And I got this amazing job. And I only got that job because of the experience I had had running that shop. Yeah. And so the truth was that experience just became the thing that made me even more valuable because they hired me because the two of them were owner operators just like I was. And they, they were like, so in the business that they wanted to step back and be able to like think big picture, decide if they wanted to buy another agency or were they going to try and get bought? Like what, what was their big next move going to be? And they needed to hire somebody who could come in and help them run the place. And so in a sense, like I was this like kind of perfect unicorn for them because (laughs) I had this wacky experience that I had had. Well, that's something I'm trying to get across to people listening to the podcast too, is that you think, you know, the things that are coming across your life aren't going to help you out later on, but it's, I tell you, that's all it's ever done. Weirdest ways it's happened for both of us that way. Like you wouldn't have thought, oh, this would have helped me. It's like all the years of doing graffiti and thinking, oh, I'm going to go to jail. And then now it's like, oh, no, actually, all that notoriety helps me professionally. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. the fuck would have thought? Well, and the same with the tattooing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all of oh, it, absolutely. all like all the things that I've watched you do yeah. have all built on each other in a yeah. way that wasn't calculated. No. In a way that wasn't like you could easily look at it now yes. and say like, oh, well, he must have planned that shit out. But no. but like I can tell you people. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was with <laughs> with him while this was all happening Literally. and none of it was planned out. No. But when you look back at it, it all carries like a pretty nat- like like progression that really makes sense and you can see how the things built on each other. Yeah. Well, and that's something I've learned on uh, meditation retreats. When you're sitting there in silent meditation for day after day after day and you realize every moment in my life has led to this moment right here right now and this moment I'm killing it. I'm practicing nonviolence. <laughs> I'm trying to better myself. I'm opening my mind beyond my ego. I think those are all, you know, yeah, really great things. Well, how, how did how did that happen for I, you? Kind of on a technical level, I, like did you do vipassana retreats or did you get into like Hare Krishna and stuff? Yeah, I'll get I'll I'll get into that right after I note that <laughs> Mike and Noah Levine oh, are yeah. the only two people I know who can say. I'm killing it <laughs> while, while they're talking about like being in the depth of a mindful meditation. Sure. I guess so. Like, you know, it's like you're, you're speak the language that comes through you. Kind of. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah for sure. Big yeah, shout out to did... Dharma punks. Well, yeah, that was, that was, that was an early influence. Well, they became kind of an alternative to 12 step for a lot of people. I for remember sure. That, that they were like, Oh, you can try these Dharma punks people. If yeah. You're into the 12 step thing. You think you would have tried that maybe back in the day if they were around when you were going through that? Oh, totally. You yeah. Cause well, I think you vibed with all of them and I sure did. That's why I sat yeah, with them for abs- so long. Absolutely. And they're still going. That's my, cool. my path was, um, get sober, get, into a mode of radical spirituality, I'd, I'd call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I found mindfulness meditation soon after, pretty soon after I got sober. There was a point, like if I'm if I'm turning it into like real cliff notes, like there was a point in my sobriety where I was going to AA pretty much exclusively to be around spirituality, like to oh. be around people who were seeking something greater than themselves, That's like to, part together. Yeah. Um, I had the, I had the like wall inside me or the, I had just made the shift where like alcohol was no longer a part of my life. Um, even now to the point where like, if I'm at a bar or if I'm somewhere for a legitimate reason and people are drinking, like it does, it's just not even a part of my consideration. Right. 
So like I wasn't going to AA to keep the bottle out of my hand. You know, I will if shit gets fucked up, like I will go to to a meeting. Yeah. But like I wasn't going there for that. I was going there for God. I was going there for like the relationship with whatever. And then I found uh mindfulness meditation and Did they I started, teach you that at twelve steps? No. Oh, no. somebody else or just like, hey, check this out. I had the good fortune to meet a woman who was teaching a mindfulness childbirth and parenting class. Oh, so it was actually around the birth of my daughter huh, okay. that that I learned that meditation practice, oh, cool. which was pretty cool. Like yeah. that, that's a pretty um, great thing to, to teach your daughter. Well, yeah, it's a great thing to teach my daughter, <laughs> but, but, but it's a great thing. Like that's a like very potent time. Right yeah. in, in anyone's life, and, and and I can I, only imagine. I can only <laughs> speak right. Like I can only speak to 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 being a man. Yeah, but that's a very potent time in a man's life sure. when you're you're having a child, and so that coming in at that time was just really influential for me. And then what I found then I then I met um, then I met Piper. And um, the people who I was meditating then, like I was learning a different kind of meditation practice uh-huh. where I was, where you scream and you right. do the emotional release. I love that. Yeah. And that, and there's music, like yeah. music was a part of that. And sure. so like we, we circle back to the music and how music is such a, has been such an instrumental um, like a influence. influence. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. an influence in my life. And then yeah. to have that, become a part of the meditation like that was incredibly influential and so all of those things just mixed together where like i want to meditate every day like i i want to transform what's happening inside me and with my consciousness like every day yeah and so i just technically how it happened was that like i met the right people at the right time who had the right things going on and that really resonated with me yeah and i just really took to it and I and I wanted it bad. Yes. Now, part of that was, you know, things were really things were really fucked up in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, like my marriage was kind of falling apart, mm-hmm. and I was I was just desperate. Yeah, I guess I would say I had a real and true feeling of desperation. Yeah, like I hadn't had since I got sober. Mm. Right, yeah. and so. I didn't, I didn't not have AA. Like I was actually going to some meetings then, oh. but really I was just I, like the meditation and the practice of going within and dealing with myself, dealing with my own bullshit, dealing yeah. with my own, like my own breaches of integrity, my own, it, the places where I was hurt in myself. And then I was hurting others like all of that. And facing all of that, meditation is the place where you can do that. I mean, in my Same experience, me. like I'm not, Same I'm not, I'm me, not man. preaching that that's the only place you can do that. But yeah. for me, that's the place where I can do that. And it's designed to be that way. Yeah, it's a safe place to do that. I remember being on retreats and these guys would like burst into tears and be like, "Oh my god, I'm sorry." And we'd be like, "Dude, you're here to do that." Yeah. Like you can't do that obviously at home. Like yeah. this is the place to fucking let it out within reason. You know, I mean, retreats yeah. are they're not meant to get too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them aren't. Well, the, the again, ones the ones right. I was doing, right. like that's exactly what we were doing. I mean, sure. we were doing well, these even like in Osho's case, that yeah. he was getting them to get really wild. We were doing uh, so when I first started doing that meditation, I was doing it I was doing it in like bigger retreats in a room with like 150 people and yeah. we were all screaming and yeah. pounding pillows and no, I, just I like did it once I went to one of them. Yeah, yeah, you can. No, it's fa- it's fascinating and it I can see how it works for there were so many people who I could see around me it was working. Yeah. So well, you know, powerful. Well, we get really locked up. Absolutely. People, people. I mean, like yeah. we we get really I think this, like uh, society chews us up. That's yeah. why so many people are on pills and having a hard time and looking for things like mindfulness and yeah. sobriety and whatnot. You know, sure, yeah, totally. So, so at that point, then are we are we in Boulder yet? <laughs> like, what? What? How did we yeah. get to Boulder? So, 
Because that's guess, the funniest thing. I, guess that's... I remember when I heard, I heard you were moving a boulder. I was like, what the fuck's he going to boulder for? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that story is the daughter goes to a Waldorf school. Your daughter? Yep. Okay. Uh, she was in a Waldorf school. Waldorf school cool, like hippie school. Yeah, no, um, I know kids that have gone to Waldorf schools. Yeah, for sure. So the Waldorf school has the same teacher, and in the Bay for from first until either fifth or eighth grade. Oh right, yeah. And in the Bay Area, the school we were in A was fuck like thirty, maybe thirty five minutes from okay. our house one way. Yeah. So like that's two two and a half hours of commuting every day. That's brutal. Plus she the the teacher she was going to have, she was in kindergarten, and the teacher she was going to have going into first grade, we didn't like the teacher. Ah. And that's just kind of Waldorf. Stuck with them. Yeah, that's just Waldorf roulette. Like, if you don't like the the teacher, like, you're kind of out of luck. Gotta so be, between that and the, the cost of living in the Bay Area at yeah. that time, especially, like, at this point, I, it's me and my ex-wife and the daughter and like it's just you know it's expensive and the no, school like and it was just it was eight or nine you're yeah saying. it was 2000 yeah, 2008 I, was when we like really realized like this is just not working i moved back in 2008 to san francisco right i remember shit was not how much money was so between all those conditions that's what drove us to like look somewhere else and i looked around the country the way that we do like nowadays on the internets and um on paper boulder looked super cool still looks crazy cool on paper <laughs> yeah decided to to come here for a visit spent the weekend and like literally on that trip decided like okay that we're, we're gonna move here i mean had a had a pretty like far out experience of just one synchronicity after another telling me like oh this is just the next place for me to be like those weird signals from the universe totally. where you're just like wait this can't be random all this the signals. is scary why the hell did that just pop up had all the signals I so think i just want to because people i think they question those signals don't question those signals no no i'm one of those two pay those attention signals, to the signals even even if it's going to lead to a tough decision yeah. Sometimes the universe is there to be like, no, you really need to do this. Yeah. And you're like, damn, you know? Okay, so you were getting those things and it was like, totally. come to Boulder, come to Boulder. Totally. And then we, I mean, that weekend that we were here was just full of those synchronicities. And we just said like, fuck it, we're going to go. Cool. So we came back to the Bay Area and we packed up our shit and literally like moved within like two months. Mm -hmm. um, cool. And then a year later we got divorced. Yeah. I mean, co coming here was like the thing that, so two things happened. Transitions. Yeah. Well, there yeah. was a big transition. Things were really rough in my, in my marriage. Yeah. And then transition happens mm -hmm. coming here. Two things happened. Like it just shook everything up yeah. in such a way that it was just like, oh, okay. Like we can't ignore the things that are, you know, we can't ignore all these things anymore. Yeah. And I met the love of my life. Yeah. I mean, like when, and when you meet the person that you're, there's this old cliche, right? Like uh, when you meet the person you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with, like, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And it was totally true. Yeah. And I, and unfortunately, like I didn't do that in the most integral way. Like I, 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 I got, I got, I got kind of lost. Sure. But you know, life puts you through those kinds of things. No, you know? it does. And, and, it does. And, I made choices that, you know, I'm not super proud of, but I, I did the work. Yeah. 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 And I know today that I wouldn't be the man that I am now if I hadn't gone through all those things. Well, of course not. I think um, that's being a mindful person yeah. and understanding again that all of it led to right now. And if right now yeah. is, is good and is, or, or just yeah. your present, then it, it all made it all had to happen. Well, and the now is like the best that my life's ever been. That's good. You know how how many people can say that, dude? I don't know. No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't real. know. But for but real. from the people that I meet, dude. not that many. 
you know, but you do seem like you're at a really, really good spot. Yeah. It's been interesting to see, you know, all that. Because, I mean, I ended up in Boulder kind of for a bit of the same reason. <laughs> it was just like looking around. Nah. And it was like, ah, Ben's in Boulder. Yeah. And, and my friend Adam. I'm, I'm going to tell, know, I'm gonna tell like, this. I'm going to tell this story. Out, yeah, that's you know? right. I'm going to tell this story because I'm sure I'd tell it a different way than you. Oh, probably. So, Connie, who's my wife, who's sitting next to us. Yeah. Uh, Connie and I are living in, I don't know, some apartment like over on one side of town. And I, I'm like emailing with you every once in a while, like yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty in like disperse. You're in there. We Reb- always have. Rebel yeah. 8's like totally jumping off. Like oh, yeah. you're in the thick of yeah, the Rebel 8 off. thing. Yeah, yeah. You had just moved from San Francisco to LA. <sighs> that was ruthless. And when we would talk, like I would, I would hear like how sick LA was, but at the same time, like it was pretty rough. Like I knew you were having a tough time. I was. And so one time we talked and I was just like, well, dude, why don't you come like come to Boulder just for the weekend? Like come, come yeah. visit. And you came. I remember Connie had her own place, and I had I had my own place because we we both have kids, and so we were keeping like our, our houses to ourselves for a little while. And we like I stayed with her for the weekend, and I just put you up in my place. Oh damn! You remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it it all comes back to bikes, yeah. right? Like it's always it's always all come come well, back to bikes. Nuts. Yeah, we're just yeah. so. We get you here. I get you a bike. Yeah. Like you can, you've got a bike to ride. Yeah. Connie, you and me are riding like all over Boulder. Yeah. Like, and one of the things that's great about Boulder is how they've set up the town for biking. Like it's it's insane. You can cross how this town whole and not have to cross a single street. Really. Yeah. How this whole city has been set up for bikes is yeah, is fantastic. Awesome. So we ride all around Boulder. And the whole time you're here, like the whole weekend, you keep saying, I can breathe. <laughs> yeah. You kept talking about how you could breathe. You left and Connie and I were like, man, L.A. must be like a lot worse than I remember it being. Because <laughs> uh, all Mike said all weekend was how you could breathe. And literally like a month later, you're like, I'm coming back and I'm going to rent a house that I found. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just it, man. I was I was really looking for like, all right, where's the next chapter going to start? Because yeah. L.A. is not where it's going to happen. Yeah. Man. That place was kicking my ass. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, I remember. You know, I was, I had enough money to, to make the move. Yeah. I got a, exactly what I was kind of looking for. You got this place you know? that we're sitting That's in right thing. now. I've been here for years now. Yeah. But, uh, it made me but, really. You know, it made me really happy. That, it was that one you... of those things, though. Too, it was like I figured, man, if Ben's all right in Boulder, it can't be that bad. I mean, because Ben's. <laughs> I mean, we're so similar. Yeah, that's just it. I knew you wouldn't. I couldn't imagine that your lifestyle would change that much. I mean, shit. Yeah. I still see you on your bicycle more than I see myself on my bicycle. I mean, I'm in my car and I see you go by. I'm like, oh, I should be out on my bike. Ben's out on his shit. I'm, a bu- I'm blowing it. I got to stay fit somehow, right? Well, but you do, though. You and Connie, you guys are still like, don't you roadie out? Yep. Ride and ride and ride and ride? Yep. You put my ass to shame. I remember riding with you one time and oh, I was hurting. I was surprised. I thought you were riding more than you were. No, that's the thing. It kind of not distance. It was the uh, it was the years of track and soccer and then skateboarding. Like all those things, all those things are just legs all the time. Yeah, yeah. So now when I ride, I mean, thirty miles. I saw this thing. Scientists had 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 definitively proven that there is a positive uh, reaction from the body when you're uh, in motion rolling. Yeah, the, the, uh, the thing of rolling in particular. He's this guy. He roller skates, and he he was this crazy mad scientist guy. But he, he proved <laughs> That's awesome. that there's chemicals that happen when you're rolling in particular. I bet. And we must well, be addicted to that shit. Oh yeah, for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Connie and I, we we love to ride like at night. We'll, we'll oh, wow. you know we'll go to the go to the movies or something like oh, late cool. and then yeah. ride home. Yeah, that's like one of our like favorite times to ride. You can in just the ride. Summer. Yeah, 
you can ride in the middle cold. of the street. It's gnarly. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's gnarly. That was one right of now. the fun things about San Francisco in the middle of the night, too. Even though oh, it was such yeah. a bustling city, everybody went to yeah. sleep. Like, especially Chinatown would just be crickets. Yep. It'd be so quiet. Yep. You couldn't believe it. There's like hundreds of thousands of people. You know what we didn't talk about? What's that? That bike that I had that you and your friend, who was a messenger, tricked out for me. Like, you built the first. Uh, oh, fix the first fixie that yeah, I as had. As much as I was the dude that would drop house music on people, I was like, "Have you ever tried to ride a bike with just a single thing yeah. or no brakes or you know yeah. that kind of thing?" And yep. just be like, "Well, try this out. I got a friend that could set you up." And totally, yeah, I have so many friends, especially in the Bay Area, that are still riding bikes that I yeah help put together for them. Just yeah. like shitty, ugly commuter bikes, you know, that wouldn't get stolen. I still, still have, have that it. bike. That's, that's so still that's still one? yep. Yeah, that's still one. my townie bike. That's dope. I have a I have a front rack on it now. Damn. And, and panniers. So how old is that now? When did, when did <sighs> I you don't get fucking that know. A long, long time ago. Because I was doing <laughs> trades with uh, kids for bike stuff. Yeah. That's how I was getting all the bikes. Yeah. Well, you were tattooing then. Exactly. You were tattooing, and people would pay you with like bike equipment and shit. Yeah. So let's just wrap this up. Like now you're. Uh, doing live speaking stuff I've seen and you're working for Gaia. Yeah. So, so yeah, let, let people know what's up with that shit. So I was for, for about 10 years, like from when I moved here on, I was working independent. Like I was just right. an independent graphic designer, creative director. And uh, right at the end of that time, I was feeling like, okay, this is just not working. <laughs> like I'm, I'm super tired of, trying to get the work and then having to do all the work. And it was just, I was, I was feeling kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of burnt out. Yeah. Now that's not to say that it's not wonderful. Like I did it for a long no. time. I'm hustle, right there with you, bro. hustle just, all day. Hustle. It was great. Like yeah. I, I loved it for a long time, but I got pretty wasted on it. Yeah. And, um, and then the other thing was like, I really wanted to, I was, I was really yearning for, uh, a way to reach more people and I don't know help seems like a weird word to use but that's what I wanted to be doing I wanted to help people be of service be I of service what, yeah uh, yeah you know so <laughs> people trying to be cool about that yeah so what happened was I I decided or I, I had this moment probably in a meditation where I realized I've got uh, I got a book in me like mm. I've got a, I got a thing that yeah. I want to say that yeah. I think probably the best form for it is a book. Mm. And the book is you are creative, mm. right? Because one thing that I've learned in the 20 something years that I've been, you know, being a creative person and doing work for clients is that there's a lot of people out there that think that they're not creative because they get told that they're not. Yeah. <coughs> They get told that they're not, well, there's a whole series of reasons why they might not be, why, why, why they think they're not. But we forget that we are all creative. We all have creativity inside of us, whether we're, whether we're good at painting or drawing or doing some creative thing or th something that society says is creative or not, that doesn't, that's not the measure of our creativity. So I, I, I have this whole, like, it's, it comes like a download, you know, like you hear yeah. about people who, who like have a book that just gets downloaded to them. Well, that's kind of how it like occurred for me. Yeah. I'm still working on the book. I got all this other shit going on. So I haven't, sure. I haven't like written the book yet, yeah. but I realize like, that's what I want to say. And one of the ways that I can do it is I can start talking to people. So yes. I did an event called ignite Boulder right? and it's awesome. Um, anybody who's in the Boulder or Denver area, you should come and do Ignite Boulder. It's super great experience. You get to do a public speaking. Basically, you do a public speaking gig to 850 people in the Boulder Theater. Okay. And it's a great experience. And yeah. I, I did that with the uh, UR Creative Talk, okay. which was super fun. Yeah. Um, then I did uh, uh, Caffeinated Mornings. All right, right. Shout out to Jay, Farrah yeah, Kane, Andrew Bovine. Mike did one too. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and so at that thing, I did a version of that talk. Like I couldn't uh, do that okay. talk because those people are creatives already. But yeah. I did a version of that talk where I was basically beseeching people who are creatives to not further the idea that we're different from everyone else. 
And because we're we're creative, so to speak, everybody else is not. Which could be a tough one for people's egos. To it was not. Chew on. Yeah, it was not. Yeah. It was not like the easiest sell. the The way that sure. the way that I framed the story was client versus creative, and I was kind of framing up this idea that we in the creative profession tend to have this like adversarial relationship with our clients, and this has not always been the case. But this is this is, sometimes is it's easy. That way in the tattoo world, it's, yeah. it really depends on how you deal with clients. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, I, I get on this soapbox and get on this mission of wanting to like ignite people's creativity, mm-hmm. and then I get to do some public speaking, and then I get this kind of bug for doing public speaking, and I I like it a lot. I think you're good at it. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. you saying that. So I like it a lot. Good. And I get um, I now I volunteer and work with Ignite Boulder and I coach speakers. Oh, wow. Which is really great. Like yeah. it's such an exciting time to be with somebody with, like right before they're going to do a, a public mature speak. mature thing to do. <laughs> I don't no, know if I it's mature, so. but it's well, like, no, it, it's like it's really really fun. If you're not you're obviously just not out for your own. You're yeah. already coaching. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. Nah, that, sure. that's that's a mindset, man. So I start doing that, then through that I get an opportunity to do TEDx. Right. So I do before TEDx, I do an ignite where I do the meditation talk. And instead of doing the creative thing, I do, I, I basically get the audience to scream with me. Right. So I which do is the part of your meditation. This is practice. part of the meditation. There is, practice. There's screaming involved, yeah. which is different than what I think most people would think of as like silent meditation. Totally. It's pretty, it, it's the same, but you're vocalizing exactly. to me. It's, I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Well, and I'll do a plug for it because I want people to know about the meditation. If sure. you if you search "scream to meditate" on um, on YouTube, you'll yeah. find the video of either that ignite talk right. or be through the ignite speaking thing. I got to meet people from TEDx, and I got to do a TEDx. Ah, so okay. the the point of that part of the story is that I was winding down doing just freelance work. Um, and I was trying to scale up into doing something where I could reach more people. Right. So I do Ignite. That's 850 people. That's like a big jump from what I was doing before. Sure. I'd like write blogs or like write stuff. And, you know, I don't know, 100 people would see it or whatever. And I'd be like, fuck, yeah, like 100 people, <laughs> you know, but that's still 100 people. And I was uh, I was volunteering at the meditation retreats mm-hmm. at this time. At this point, I'm DJing at the meditation retreats right. and that's in the best case, like 30 or 40 people at a time. And they do two a year. So that's like 80 people at a time. So I was like, cool, like life changing, very important meditation work, transformation, but really, really incremental. Yeah. So then I jumped to the 850 people. Then I do TEDx and that's 20, 2200 people in the audience. And plus it's on a video. So I'm like, okay, great, great. Like this is starting to be the kind of scale that I, that I would like to be able to like touch people. And then I meet somebody at an event and I hear about this uh, opportunity at this company called Gaia. Gaia is a conscious media company uh, located just up the street from you. Yeah. Conscious um, media, meaning. So conscious media, think of us like Netflix with, with conscious content. Like so we're, meditation we're, and yeah. health. And... So we're a, we're a subscription video on demand service. Okay. So just like Netflix, you, yeah. you get a subscription and you have access to the whole library. Yep. Basically, we have content that's documentaries, feature length films, uh, episodic television so, sort of series. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing right. But it's all conscious content. So yeah. there's like documentaries on spiritual topics. Right. There's yoga. Right. We have yoga classes. We have meditation classes. We have, um, we have basically three other areas of content. Yeah. Um, there's yoga content. Then there's what we call transformational content. That's all the like spiritual and transformational kind of yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Then there's one track that's called Seeking Truth, and that's mm-hmm. all about like conspiracy theories and whether or not there is a secret space program, yeah. whether extraterrestrials are real. Like I, this yeah, entire area I mean. of yeah, well, it's super, <laughs> it's super fascinating, and that's yeah, that's how a whole lot of people experience transformation. Yeah, is is through the seeking of the truth that is actually out there that maybe we've been deceived about. Exactly. Um, and then we have a, a whole bunch of content that's organized around the idea of alternative healing. So, ah, so healing through food. So, so the mission of this company yeah. 
yeah. is to raise the consciousness of the planet. <laughs> right? That's dope. But so it's like, what could but be? Why not? What could why be not? a more perfect place for me to find a home? Yeah. No, so I'm no. at a point where I'm deciding I want to go from being freelance to having a permanent position somewhere. Yeah. And then I meet this company. Yeah. And I knew about the company before. Like I had sure. been I had been watching videos on YouTube or I'd been oh. like kind of experiencing the content other ways. But then I find out that they need a creative director. Wow. <laughs> and so that I'm proud to say is where I find my home now. Yeah. That's where I'm doing like the bulk of my work. Yeah. And now I have, will hopefully eventually have some more time to do, to do some more, you know, fine art and do some more That's of how it's like, always that been, stuff. Though, from my perspective, when you have yeah. time, you, you bust out. Yeah. You get loose. And I'm always into what you do. That's really rad. And, so, and I think, you know, it's like the big thing is just you're stoked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you've, you've worked so hard and it's all kind of gotten to here and it's all good. That's yeah, rad. I mean, life has just gotten continually better. Better. Not better easier, and deeper. Say. No, Not no, no. I mean, there have yeah. been a whole bunch of like really difficult times. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. the work has paid off, I'd say. Yeah. No, that's killer. That's killer. Well, I'm glad we uh, finally got a chance to sit down and talk <laughs> to you. This is fresh. I learned so much. Thank you so much for having know. me. That's hilarious. Well, uh, yeah, everybody, check out Ben Lovejoy. That's my dude, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks.